0: Good morning. Great to see you this morning. Uh, we are going to be in the Gospel of John and uh, be looking at several chapters uh, in that section of scripture. If, uh, if you have a, a Bible on your device or however you brought it in or if you need one, in a moment the, uh, the usher is going to come after they're taking the offering and give you an opportunity to use a Bible this morning. I uh, want to welcome you. Hey, it, this is great. Last week we had one service, uh, everybody was together, and that was pretty pretty cool. Uh, had a great picnic. I would just want to take a chance to say thanks to all the volunteers that it took to make that happen. That's a special, special weekend, so we only do it once a year when we're all together like that. And I want to say a special thanks to my assistant, Lisa Jacobs, because she kind of coordinates everything <laughs> and makes it happen. Uh, so thanks, Lisa. I know she's out of town. Maybe you're watching. but. Uh, but I just am so, so grateful for her, for her servant's heart. I um, want to give you a heads up on, on something that's going to happen in a couple of weeks. We're going to pull together as a church for a prayer meeting uh, on a Wednesday night around 6.30, 7ish, something like that. Uh, we'll get more specific about, about the time. But uh, we've been doing this with some regularity uh, recently, just to come together as a church family, to seek the face of the Lord and to pray. Uh, I find these important occasions to be able to share with those of you who will be willing to come out on Wednesday night to pray that we can share some things about what's coming up in the coming weeks and months, and this one I, I really believe is going to be particularly important uh, for us as we look ahead of what God's guiding us as a church, and we want to take it to Him in prayer. So I hope you'll put that on your calendar, prioritize that night uh, as we come together and and just seek Him. That'll be Wednesday, the nineteenth of September. All right, so a week from uh, next Wednesday. Um, You know, as we pray this morning and kind of prepare our hearts to hear his word, I I woke up in the middle of the night last night and I just thought once again, wow, our teachers are, are back at it and many of you are in the room today, the teachers, the assistants, the EAs, the staff at the schools, and I just want to ask you, I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but if any of you are involved in our education system, whether here at the academy or a Christian school or the public school, I wonder if you would just stand just a moment and let us recognize you. And uh, any, any of you that are the teachers, uh, would, you, would you guys remain standing? Would you remain, would you remain standing just for a moment? thank you. And, and I want to pray. Remain standing, would you? We're going to pray for you this morning. And you're, you guys are on the front lines, and you are in the heat of the battle, and we want to pray for you that God is going to use you in a powerful, powerful way uh, on behalf of him and his kingdom. So let's pray together, church. Uh, Father, we want to thank you for a privilege we have, all of us have, to serve you and be part of the kingdom of God. Uh, we're, we're grateful for the calling that you place on our life. And Lord, when I think of our educators, that is a specific calling from God. It, it takes sacrifice. It takes selflessness. It takes a lot of patience. And um, Lord, there are opportunities to interface with families that many of us will never have that chance. And so I just pray for those servants, many of those who are standing, some, a lot of those from the last service and We just trust them, Lord, into your hands that you will use them in a powerful way. Give them your strength in those moments when they feel like giving up. And uh, God, will you just speak and, and shine through their lives the love of Christ to those who you've given them stewardship with. So we commit them to you today. We trust you today. You'll speak to us through your word and challenge us, Lord, to be better servants and to carry out the mission you've called. So we commit this whole time to you and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate each one of you. Um, We started a series last week, a little short series. We're calling it This Is Us. And to borrow a a popular uh, program right now, but, you know, when you think about that phrase, it's great. Because we're taking kind of a look at who God has called North Shore to be. There are some things that are of a review nature for those of you that have been here for a while. Uh, If you walk around our campus, you're going to see this in in a lot of our signage and posters and things like that. Uh, If you were here last week, you know we talked about our mission. And uh, again, just to reaffirm, North Shore, our leadership, our spiritual leadership understands we we operate on two pillars, basically. They're like two, two foundations. One of them we call the great commandment of Jesus, and the other one we call the great commission of Jesus. The great commandment, as we learned last week, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Uh, And then he says, likewise, love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's why on our signs you'll see the phrase that says loving God and loving people. That's what we want to do better. That's what our challenge was last week. Loving God better and, and hopefully expressing that through the love we have for the people around us. The other part is the great commission. And that's when Jesus said... Now, go into all the world and make disciples of all these nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey what I've commanded you, and I'll be with you even to the end of the age. That's the, what we call the Great Commission. And North Shore is striving to carry that out. That's what, we're, that's what we're aiming for. This is our mission, is to hopefully make disciples, help folks mature and grow in their walk with God, and so that they can in turn become spiritual parents who can do this for another subsequent generation. Um, that's, what, that's what our mission is. So if that's a mission, and many of you are part of organizations that have mission statements, and, and if, if this was our mission, it means basically this is the destination. This is where we're headed. This is where we're going. And uh, today, and, and probably next week we'll spill over, we're, we're going to uh, kind of revisit the values that guide us toward that destination. In fact, the way I like to think about it is if if you were on a trip and you looked on the map and you said, that's where I want to go, that's the destination, your values are like the vehicle in which takes you there. It's what you're kind of encompassed about on the way toward that destination. And so, you know, today uh, I was just reminded that a year ago we, we kind of unfolded uh, four specific core values here at North Shore that kind of bubbled up from, from our own spiritual leaders here at the church over some exercises we did a year and a half ago. And those are the things, they're not so much aspirational, like, well, this is what we hope to be. These are things that, that we are recognizing exist here and that are part of who we really are. And we're trying to allow those values to inform our decisions, Uh, the direction that we go, our behavior, the way that we act amongst ourselves. And so I thought, you know, it's probably good to revisit those every once in a while. I don't claim to be that good of a leader, that much of a leader, and I I watch good, effective organizations and good leaders, and somehow they have this mystery of being able to, to somehow impart to that organization certain values. And when you go there, you can almost feel it. It's almost tangible. Well, that's what I'm hoping happens here at North Shore. Whether you've been here for years or decades, or whether the, this is your very first visit, the things we taught we're going to talk about. I hope those are the things that just kind of permeate uh, in the environment here. And uh, so we want to kind of kind of revisit those uh, today. We're uh, we're looking at John 15, and I want to start by uh, we're going to call out the first two of the four this weekend, and then so we're going to kind of review those and then what i want to do is just to share two or three personal thoughts reflections on currently what uh what's happening and, and just kind of what the lord's speaking to me about these and what, how this is playing out and i just hope it, it might be uh, meaningful to each one of us okay so uh, the first priority and i would have to say the highest priority if you have your notes in hand that you got on the way in the first thing that we would mention is abiding in christ that's where it all begins. And if you opened up to John 15, Jesus kind of alludes to that and makes that, makes that clear. Uh, if you're not familiar with this setting, this is what we call the upper room. This is the last discourse that Jesus had before he went to the cross. So this is just hours before, uh, before he was going to die on the cross. And he's kind of preparing his, his disciples that have been with him for three years for what's about to come. And so part of that discussion, that discourse, he said, I am the vine, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. I would say that's a priority then, wouldn't you? If we don't make this the first and foremost thing, then everything else we talk about Uh, really has no spiritual consequence if we're not abiding in Christ. But the question is, what does that really mean? What does it mean to abide in Christ? He said it multiple times, didn't he? You know what I think about when when I'm challenged along that, when this value kind of comes to my forefront? I think about Paul's word to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 20, and he said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life that I'm living now, I am living by faith in the Son of God who laid his life down for me, who gave himself for me. And I think about those words. He's just basically saying, I've totally surrendered. I've given up everything. I've died to myself, and now it is Christ who is living inside of me. To me, that's, that's kind of what this abiding relationship looks like. And so, as I pour over these these uh, words of, of Jesus, one of the questions that, that I have to kind of revisit over and over and over again is, how do I know? How do you know if you are abiding in Christ? Well, what kind of objective evaluation would you measure yourself against to know? Am I really abiding in Christ? Well, if I go back to Jesus' words, uh, I think he gives us some pretty clear opportunities to measure ourselves against something i want to share three of the things that i can see right here and the first of those is a word he used multiple times it's the word fruit isn't it he says you're going to be fruitful and i think that's the first thing that that will be noticed i will be fruitful if i'm abiding in christ here's how he put it i'm the vine you're the branches whoever abides in me and i in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me uh, you can do nothing. And, and so he's describing, um, you know, this kind of a, a, of a fruit. Uh, sometimes I wonder, well, what kind of fruit are you talking about there, Lord? There's two that always come to my mind. One of them I call character fruit. You know, like Galatians 5 where he says, the fruit of the Spirit is joy and peace and love and kindness and patience and self-control, the nine things that he meant. I look, okay, am I growing in that? If you watch my life, if, if I allow my life to be seen or to, to be displayed, would, would you bear witness that that kind of fruit is evident? Even Jesus said, you'll know them by their, by their fruit. It's like a tree. Yep. And I'm going I'm to know you by your fruit, and I, I'm going to measure that that way. And, and I suppose the challenge, the question is, is are we a fruit bearing tree or are we just ornamental? You know what I'm talking about? Are we just there for for something for good looks? Or or is there real, true, tangible fruit that is evident and growing? Because I'm abiding in Christ. There's two adjectives, by the way, that Jesus uses in this discourse. One of them is much fruit. Not just a little bit, but much. And then the other one is it it is fruit that lasts. It lasts. It doesn't just come and go. And so uh, he's describing... I, as i was reading this i i look back a few chapters earlier in chapter 12 where jesus also said these words he said you know unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies he says it will stand alone but if it does die he says it bears much fruit now do you got the picture You've got a little seed and if it's on the shelf it could stay there for thousands of years and it's never going to do anything but then you plant it in the ground it ceases to become that little seed it breaks open and it dies basically to its old way and now it starts bearing fruit i'm going back to paul's word that's what paul's saying i've been crucified with christ i've died so that now christ lives in me and the fruit that we're talking about is going to be uh, evident as a result of that so that's the first thing he says i will be fruitful Here's the second one. I'm going to be prayerful, and prayer is going to be an important part of this. He says, um, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Is that not an amazing promise right there? (laughs) And it's all contingent on being in this abiding relationship. He's saying when you talk to me, when you pray, when you, when you when you we have this conversation, you ask whatever you will. And and he says, "You know what? Stuff's going to happen because of that relationship and that abiding relationship." How's your prayer life? You know, I hear people every once in a while they confess they say, "When I pray, it feels like it just going into the ceiling and it just stops there." That it's not it's not getting to the to the, the throne room, if you will. I I'm sorry, I um, I misidentified that chapter or that verse out of Jeremiah. That's actually Jeremiah 29, 12, it was supposed to be. But here's how that goes. You might recognize this one. He says, Then you will call on me, pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You know? And that all your heart is that abiding relationship this is this is what it looks like Um, I I quoted I've I've quoted this before but Oswald Chambers had a phrase that just really stopped me in my tracks and he said this word he said the disciple who abides in Christ is the will of God when he When he speaks in in supposedly his free chosen prayer, whatever, it actually becomes the foreordained decrees of God. You think you're just just talking to him, but that is God's foreordained decrees because you are abiding in Christ. You are the will of God because you and him are one. And that's quite a novel idea. it. kind of takes me back to think, why does he give this kind of a carte blanche expression whatever you ask it is because we are at one with him through his spirit and so that's part of the abiding relationship as well so we'll be prayerful we're going to be fruitful and then the last word that comes to my mind is the word obedience okay we will be obedient and again he he says it himself he says if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love and so so we talked about this last week in fact we talked about it quite a bit I if you were here last week do you remember when I walked you through kind of four uh, gauges that we look at our obedience we obey him when he wants anybody remember what the word immediately you remember this we do it how he wants which is completely we obey him completely we do it with the attitude that he wants which is joyfully, and we do it with the consistency that he wants, which is continually, all right? And, and, and if I look at that obedience and I measure it against that and I'm just thinking, how am I doing? I had, a, I had a, a, just a neat time this week with a brother and, you know, long story short, just made a, made an opportunity to share. And I love it. As a preacher, I love it when somebody speaks back the words that I have spoken. Doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I said, a lot of stuff just gets kind of forgotten and out there. But, but he said, you know, you shared this last week, and I have to tell you that I, I'm only doing two of those four. And he said, I wasn't doing this immediately, and I wasn't doing this completely. And it, it entered into a conversation that was just very humble and, and brought some things to my attention that I needed to, to just acknowledge and recognize and, and uh, ask for forgiveness. And, and I just have to tell you, I walked away so inspired Um, just from the model of somebody following and acting on what God had prompted uh, him to do. You know, even even at some discomfort or even awkwardness or whatever, and you all maybe felt that. And there was something specifically that the Lord said, this is what I'm asking you. That's that abiding relationship. And if we continue to hear that voice and act on it, friends, that's only gonna grow greater and greater. But if you choose not to, if you disobey, guess what happens? You become disconnected. His voice becomes quieter and quieter and quieter. And and all, you know, and then suddenly you say, Well, what happened? You you often have to just go back to a moment when the Lord said, this is what I'm asking. And if you refused, if you refused to do that, then that's the place we have to kind of go back and revisit. So, so this is the abiding relationship. This is, this is our value. And I love it when, when we hold each other mutually accountable toward that. Okay, The second one kind of acts like we were talking about last week about love, loving people. It's, it's loving relationships. Okay, that's the second word that you're going to see uh, even as we try to live this out here at North Shore in a very tangible way. Uh, if you look a couple of chapters before this John 15, get back to John 13, here's what Jesus said. A new commandment, he says, I'm, I'm going to give to you, that you love one another. Uh, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love, have love for one another. Love each other. Loving relationships. I guess loving in the big crowd like this, loving when we're having conversations out in the lobby. I think ideally loving when you get into a a smaller environment where people know you and you know them, you know their stuff, (laughs) And, and, and the hard things, and you work through that, and you love them through that, that's where it's practiced. That's why it's such a high priority here to get in these smaller life group environments. You know, it's kind of interesting. As one who uh, finds himself, we would call it coaching, other uh, church leaders that are trying to sort out this whole idea of discipleship and, and carrying that out in their churches, and sometimes they look at some of us, some of our leaders, and just say, you know, what are you guys learning? You know How are you doing this? One of the most common questions that I get is, what is your curriculum? What's your curriculum? They want to know what, what book are you walking through or what 12 course, uh, 12-week course or six-week course that you're going to do so that they can get the information, you know, have the information down so that now I can go down and, and replicate that. And we have to over and over and over again say that it is not so much about information As it is about relation it's about relationship and it's in the context of relationship that jesus did this okay now it doesn't negate knowing the word and and understanding that but but if it's not done in relationship friends this love we talk about for god is not going to mean a whole lot that's why he said you say you love god but if you've got this thing going on here in this relationship he says then don't talk about the love that you have going here it's about relationship, and, and I suspect that there are a few of us here this morning that have been around North Shore for a while, and we've talked about this. We've taught, and we've trained, and we've tried to model this, this area of discipleship. Some of you still have yet to put your foot into the water, and let me, let me see if this, this might not be at, accurate. Some of you don't go there, in in other words, to invest in somebody else in a spiritual matter because you just flat don't feel worthy, you don't feel equipped, you don't feel ready, you don't feel like you've got the right information, or I don't know what to do. I may have told you this before, but I remember I had a nephew that got a graduate degree, a Master of Divinity from Asbury Theological Seminary. I remember the day specifically he called me and said, Uncle Ken, he says, I'm not sure I know how to make a disciple. Now think about that. And friends, here's here's essentially what it is. This is what it looks like. It is basically in relationship with somebody, a willingness to get in relationship with this purpose, intentional purpose of helping them grow spiritually. And the curriculum, if you will, what are you gonna do? Basically, what we talk about is four spheres. You basically have a conversation with somebody and you're gonna ask them four levels of question. How are you doing in your personal walk with Jesus? That's that abiding relationship. Are you abiding with Christ is, is essentially what you'd say. Are you doing that? Here's where I'm struggling. Here's what God's speaking to me. Here's what I'm learning. What is he saying to you? What are you learning? You talk about that. Okay? Now, if you're looking at your notes, there's three other spheres that this plays, this loving relationship plays out. The next one is your home. That's the closest relationships you've got. Okay? Some of you I know live alone. And, and, um, and bless your heart. I, I just encourage you all the more to get connected with a few other folks, you know, that, are, that have the same passion and the same heart uh, so that we can do this together. But a lot of you are married, and that's where it's going to play out is in the husbands and wives. And you hear the scripture, and it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wives, respect your husbands. Actually, an earlier verse says, Wives, submit to your husbands in everything. A lot of men have memorized that verse. They don't <laughs> memorize any other verse, but they got that one down, don't they? And then a little later, it says, children, obey your parents. He's talking about the home and the order of the home and the love for each other in the home. How is that going? That's all we say. How's it going there? Oh, well, we got in a fight this week, and it was over this and this. Well, what did the Lord say to you about that? You know, what, what do you... You may not know that much in Scripture, but you, you've got some encouragement to share. That's what we're calling discipling. That's, that's what it looks like. And then it goes from there into church relations. Now, now you're talking about the brothers and sisters that were in, in this community together. Maybe it's the people in, in your life group in, that you're working with. Maybe, maybe it's the folks that are right here in this room. I don't know. But all I know is, is that God smiles on each one of us as we love one another and express that love for one another there's something special about it listen to this this verse hebrews chapter 12. he said let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, friends. This is this isn't an optional thing, man. He's saying this is going to be vital for us. Love one another, stir one another up, encourage one another, say these words that are just going to just going to be uplifters. Be in that kind of an environment. I, something happened this week that was pretty cool. Uh, Pastor Scott, who you saw up here earlier, uh, you know, he's he's. I just appreciate him so much and his 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 value to our ministry staff and the pouring in and the encouragement and the modeling that he does and he started to bring the whole team together on Wednesdays for a time of worship time of prayer and and uh, and then he'll kind of go on into a time of just saying some encouraging words to them you know to kind of the, the midweek you know kind of check-in well I was getting ready to, to step out while he was talking to his team we'd worship we would prayed and he said, no, I want you to stay here. And I didn't know what was up. Well, well what they've done is on somebody's birthday, they'll sit them in the chair and then they do what they call a circle of blessing where one by one, uh, they just kind of speak into that person of what they mean and how they've been blessed by them, and all this. Well, my son's birthday is tomorrow. And so Stuart was the one that was in the chair. And, uh, and this was interesting because I was sitting in the back and, and one by one, I heard these folks just saying what he meant to them. Stewart works with our young adults, if you're not aware, he's on, you know, works with our graphics and, and so part of the team and, and they just started pouring into him. And I'm telling you about it, I was maybe three quarters of the way down the line, but about halfway, the Lord just just did something and he said, this is how I feel when my children love each other when they speak words to my my children, to each other. Because I'm telling you, as a father, hearing these words spoken about my son, it was starting to do something in my heart. And God said, that's just how I feel when you speak to each other that way. Mm -hmm. So then it came to my turn and I didn't have anything to say. (laughs) I couldn't hardly speak. but, but it's just a reminder that it's in this setting, in our church family, that that's where this love is, just makes all the difference. This is what it looks like. And then there's one last fear, and that's when you go beyond these walls and you go out into the community. Because, friends, that's why he says they're going to know you're my disciples by the way that you guys love each other. That's going to just testify of who I am and, and my love for you. And now you take this out there. Something happened um, just a few weeks ago. Remember when the, the Franklin Graham uh, experience out in Monroe happened? And I shared with this uh, that my family was here. My brother-in-law works with Franklin. And, and uh, so we, it was just really a rich time. I've heard so many testimonies of people that were touched Goodness, uh, it's just amazing how God uses that ministry, that evangelism. Well, after it was over, we were one of the later ones to leave because Ron is in leadership there. So we're on our way back Highway 2, and they're hungry. They want to go someplace to eat. Well, it's, what, 10 o'clock or whatever. And I'm trying to think, okay, what's between here and, and, and what's open? We take off Highway 9 into Snohomish, and the only thing that was open was a Burger King. Okay? Woohoo! <laughs> And not to say anything bad or anything, but, you know, so we look and we're trying to think, is it open, is it not? Well, the drive-thru's open. Well, you know, they were about 20 minutes from the inside being closed, but it was still open. But nobody was in there. It was real, real uh, quiet. So the five of us got out of the car and we, we walked in. And we ordered our stuff, and here's this young man that was at the, at the deal, and my sister-in-law, Susan, this is Annette's sister, she has this thing that she does. And we went out for dinner quite a bit while we were here. Every time she goes to a public restaurant, when the server comes, she'll say, you know, we're going to pray in just a moment for, a foo- for our food. Is there anything we could pray for you uh, while, while we're praying? And I have to confess. <laughs> You know, a few of these places, I'm just kind of going, <laughs> you know, because it just puts them on notice, and they're so they feel so uncomfortable and awkward. And so, t- but you know, in every case, they'll come back and they'll say, uh, you know, yeah, you could you know do that, you could pray for this, and okay, that's what we'll do. And <laughs> so she did this at the Burger King with a guy behind the counter, and the guy, you know, says. Well, you know, we just had a baby. I think this was a situation. I wish Marty was here because she was with us. But uh, he said something like, I, we just had a baby, and man, my whole world is rocked, and I don't know what I'm going to do, da-da-da. And she says, okay, we'll pray for that. And we went over, we got our stuff. We're the only, only ones in the restaurant. We're sitting over here, and he happens to just walk by us. He's kind of cleaning up and getting ready to lock the doors. And she says, you know, we're just about ready to pray. Would you like to come and pray with us? And he says, yeah, I think I would, you know. And he sat down, and he just began to kind of open his heart up, and you could just see on his countenance that this thing just started, it just started brightening, and there just was an encouragement. And I just thought, wow, how hard was that? How hard was that? You talk about make a difference in our community. You know, you're making a difference. I don't know if you noticed on the trailer. You know, you, you, through your contributions, we gave out 350 backpacks to kids just a few blocks from here over on Casino Road. And I'm just thinking about those kids this week as they're starting school with some of these supplies that they might not have been able to get otherwise. You're making a difference in the community by the love that, that we have. So this is what it looks like. This is how this value is played out, okay? Could, could you indulge me just a couple more minutes as I just reflect on, on two or three things that God's been speaking to me in this area, these areas. And I just want to pass them on. This is more about, I guess, what, what he's just saying and challenging me, but here they are. Here's the first one. He's been talking to me about prioritizing the practice of what we're talking about. So if, if I'm saying let's be about loving, let's be about abiding in Christ, you know, we can talk all we want, guys. We, we, can, we can teach all we want. But the only thing that matters is, are you going to do it or not? Jesus told a story in the Sermon on the Mount about two guys that built a house. One was on the rock, one was on the sand. You remember the story? And he said, both of them heard the word. But but listen, listen to his remark here. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. You see what the condition is? You got You have to do it. I hear folks, you know, when we go through stuff and life, life happens, and that's what we do, we do life together. So we get into crises, we get into battles. And I'll talk to somebody and, you know, challenge them and say, man, are you prepared? Oh, yeah, when the battle comes, man, I'll be ready. I'll be ready to go. Oh, yeah, will you? Here's the truth. The crisis in and of itself does not build something into somebody. That's not what builds within the crisis. The crisis only reveals what is already there. It it uncovers what is already there. So when these storms come against these houses, both of them look the same. But that's when it revealed which one was on the foundation. It was the storms that revealed that. And friends, uh, here's what he's saying. As we talk about abiding, and you can say, oh, you know, that's good. That's a good challenge. I ought to do that. But what does your private world look like? What does your private worship look like? What does your private uh, time in the Word look like? What does your prayer time look like? Do you have one? Because if we neglect that, then we truly are like a person building a house on sand. You may not see it now, but I promise you that when the storm comes, that's when it will reveal what is substantially there. And so the Lord is reminding me of this. And uh, the, the, the second thing is, is this idea of doing this daily, daily. Deciding daily to follow the Lord. Uh, the scripture that I read for you just a few minutes ago in John 12, you remember that one about the seed falling in the ground and dying? Unless it dies, you won't produce fruit. I thought about this, I thought, you know, It would be easy to kind of come to the conclusion that what we're talking about is kind of a one-and-done deal like a seed falling in and then the the plant grows right that's a one-and-done deal but then I hear the words of Jesus to his disciples saying I want you to come and follow me and deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me daily that word just just jumps off the page To these disciples that heard those words, the cross had nothing like we understand it to be. It wasn't this theological uh, expression and and uh, reconciliation. All the things we know the cross to mean that meant nothing to them because it hadn't happened yet. They didn't have a clue what was about to come. The only thing the cross meant to them was this cruel, painful instrument of death that the Romans had devised. And that unfortunately, when they came to Jerusalem, they typically would witness uh, those who were hanging on it—that's all it meant. So when Jesus said, "Take up your cross," he just—he purely was saying, "Unless you give up your life, then you surrender, unless, like Paul says, you die to him daily," he said, "This this fruit won't unfold." Friends, we cannot live on yesterday's bread. Just like the wilderness and the manna, if they tried to keep it, what happened? It would rot. it, it wouldn't last they had to pick it up every single day and why do we need that why is that so imperative it's because you and i have this thing called flesh, (laughs) and it rises up every day doesn't it it shows its ugly head every single day and we have to contend with it by the same mercies and grace that the Lord gave us and the power that he gave us on that cross. We have to rely upon daily for the Lord to, to just, just do a number. I think of Martin Luther's terms. You ever remember him saying, he says, you know, I thought I drowned the old man in the waters of baptism, but I discovered that that miserable wretch knew how to swim. <laughs> you ever heard that? Yeah. He knew how to swim. He just keeps popping back up. And so I think about the daily. And then the last thing I share with you today is this idea of serving sacrificially. Serving sacrificially. I I can't go to the upper room, listen to the unbelievable teaching that John has recorded for us in chapter 15 about the vine and the branches, and chapter 13 about loving one another and and him giving his life and the new commandment without without the picture. Of what jesus did in that room if you're not familiar with the story this last upper room account this passover dinner before he went to the cross all these guys gathered in this house and typically there would have been a servant at the front of the room front of the door and would have washed their feet because you can only imagine what their feet looked like right you know sandals dusty streets i mean they're just nasty And they would wash their feet because the way the tables were configured, their feet were literally in each other's faces. But nobody had the the heart to do that. They were all thinking about who's going to be the greatest. So Jesus gets up, wraps a towel around him, and starts washing one by one their feet. You guys know I've preached on this many times over the the years of ministry. In fact, I've got a little uh, olive statuette that I got on the last trip to Israel with Jesus washing one of the disciples' feet. And it's up on my windowsill, look at it every day. But I saw something this week that I never really saw, never really noticed before. And I just started thinking about this. I started thinking about feet. Dirty, possibly smelly feet. Feet are the one thing in our body that is the closest connection to the world, isn't it? That's what touches the world before anything else. And it gets dirty and it gets filthy every day, every week. Feet, <laughs> I don't think you'll argue with me this, feet are not beautiful, okay? I hear about hand models and I hear about face models, I never hear about foot models, you know? <laughs> In fact, think of the expense you go to to cover your feet and not expose them. There's a lot of wear and tear on those feet, aren't there? And that's what Jesus is on his knees and he's washing these feet. He comes to Peter and Peter says, I'm not going to let you wash my feet. (laughs) I'm not going to let you do this. And then Jesus says, unless you do Let me do this. You have no part of me. What was that all about? I think it was about, and this is what was just kind of being uncovered, is we talk about loving each other. Do you notice that John records when Jesus did this? This is the phrase he used. Jesus showed them the full extent of his love when he was washing their feet. Their dirty, smelly feet the thing that touches the earth, the thing that touches the world. Peter didn't want that to happen. And I suspect that there's more than just a few in this room that even multiple times this weekend or this day, we've talked about getting in groups and getting in a place where you're known and that you can know others and you can practice this thing love. And there's a part of you that resists that because you're saying, I don't want to expose my dirt and my filth and my, my stink. I don't want people to see that. I don't want them to wash my feet. And I hear the words of Jesus saying, unless you let me do this, you have no part of me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If we're reluctant to expose ourselves like Peter was, all we can hear is these words of Jesus saying, this is so important. And not only because I'm doing this for you, but now think about this. He says, now I've given you an example so that you will do this for each other and so jesus not only watches that but friends we've got a responsibility to each other to carry this out don't we and when you came in this morning you have been touched by the world am i accurate you've lived out in the world this week you come in with with the residuals of the world And the idea that Jesus created the body of Christ like this is the words that are spoken to you, the the words of forgiveness, the words of mercy, the words of love and patience and kindness and all these expressions of love that we do to each other, he says it's like a cleansing that takes place. In fact, you go back to that very verse in Ephesians 5 where he said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her and then he has this phrase, by the washing of water through the words. It's the words. You We're not going to probably literally have you take off your shoes and socks and, you know, get there and start scrubbing. It's not what we're talking about. It's the words that we speak that have a cleansing effect. They really do, don't they? There's, there's a sense that you hear the word of Christ just come over you, and there's just this cleansing I I suspect that some of you today will go out and and because you've been here, because we've heard the word of Christ, you'll walk out and you'll say, wow, there's just just kind of this this mysterious thing that happened when I come together where there's this cleansing. And I'm going to also say, if you stay away, like Hebrews 12 said, if you're in the habit of not coming together, you're going to be in the world and the world is going to have more of a propensity to stick to you. If there's like a residual that hangs, and if you stay away two weeks and three weeks and four weeks, don't be surprised when all of a sudden you feel a distance from God and you feel this stuff and you still feel guilt, you know, it's just kind of coming in. All these kind of things will start sticking because there's this cleansing that he intends. There's this washing of feet when we come together of the dirt that comes off and we do it for each other in the way that we speak, the way that we lift each other up. And uh, I hope that's your experience when you come. I hope you see, friends, that it's not only an encouragement to me and your brothers and sisters when you show up, but this is something that you need for your own spiritual health, well-being, is to come together as the body of Christ or just something something that happens when we do that. So as we kind of launch this, this new year out and... and uh, I, just, I look so forward to these times that we can mutually lift one another up. Amen? Amen. To love God with all of our heart and our soul, that we're going to abide in Christ. This is a value that we're going to uphold and hopefully live out, and we're going we're to strive to model these loving relationships in our home, in our church, in our community, and, um, and let's see where God takes us. Amen? I wanna, I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and we're going to pray, and we're going to commit this to the Lord today. We're going to talk to him j- for just a moment. Our worship team is going to lead us in, in just such appropriate expression and response through our worship time, but before they do, can we just bow our heads a moment before him? And as we're, uh, and we're just allowing his word just to kind of flow over us, just to kind of saturate our heart right now, where, where are you? In this, You know, those of you that have known the Lord and have served the Lord and, and just, just kind of needed a, an exhortation to, to step into a, maybe to a greater measure and, and truly uh, a, ref, uh, a refined, a refreshed uh, commitment and surrender to the will of God in every area of your life. Is there some specific area that he's calling you to lay down at his feet, to lay down before him? Maybe as our heads are bowed today and just our hearts are open to what he's saying, maybe you feel a little bit like you're on the outside looking in, like, like the things we've talked about, this isn't your experience yet, but you want it to be. And I don't want you to leave today if you have a question mark how, pastor, how do I move toward that? How do I take that step toward Christ and that kind of relationship you're describing? Well, let me just share with you what he said. He said, you know, it's as if I was standing at a door, the door of your heart, and I'm knocking on it right now. Can you hear that? That's Jesus knocking on your door of your heart. And if you will simply, he said this, if you will open the door of your heart, I will come in and I will abide with you right now. You say, how do I do that, Pastor? You just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. I, I need you in my life. I, 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 I need your forgiveness. I need your power to live the way that you've called me to. I just, I just need you, Jesus. Today I trust you for my salvation from sin. I am so sorry for it, and I ask you to forgive me for my sins. Today I trust you for that thing that only you can do which is to save my soul. I give my life to you. And Father, I I know you hear that sincere prayer because your word says so, and something amazing is going to begin to happen and unfold in the days and the weeks ahead, and that's what I look forward to seeing happen here. And so we we collectively, Lord, as a body of Christ, once again, in a fresh way, daily, this day, we offer our lives to you, we surrender ourselves to you, and, um, and we give you everything that we are and hope to be and in trusting that you will work through us uh, in the days ahead. We trust you for all this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, would you let somebody know? Just let, let me know. I'll be hanging around afterwards. Or have got prayer partners back in the back? Let somebody know about your decision so that we can encourage you as you move forward. Let's sing these words. I think you're going to find these words are going to resonate exactly <laughs> exactly what the lord is saying to us today and i so appreciate that so let's sing it together